The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Mott. Thank you, listen. TNT. Okay, it's a place for crazy people, so everyone listening should feel right at home out there because there's a lot of crazies listening to TNT. We seem to attract the molalos, the way a magnet attracts iron filings. And if you don't know what an omolalo is, send me a message and I'll let you know. I can't say what it is live on air. But anyway, it's all good. So whoever you are, whatever, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and whatever you're doing, I hope it's nice. Uh, welcome back to the Open Line Show. Hopefully, you've been tuned into TNT all morning and plan to remain tuned to TNT for the remainder of the afternoon and evening and the early hours. We would love you to be on 24-7. But listen, we realize life can get in the way of that. But thank you for joining us anyway for this hour. We hope you're going to be entertained uh, by Natalie and myself and also the wonderful Gemma Cooper. We're going to be bringing you a, a variety a variety of stories that are breaking across the globe this morning. And of course, if you have any input that you would like to throw our way, you can do so in the live chat, which can be found at tntradio.live. Or if you're feeling really brave, you've had a few whiskeys, you can lift the phone and give us a call after 20 past the hour. The lines will be open, hence the name of the show, Open Line. In case some of you are wondering where the name came from, that's where it came from. So don't be afraid to avail of that wonderful service that will allow you to connect directly to us here on TNT Radio. So uh, it's all good. Where I am, uh, Anup in the studio was asking us what the weather was like. It's very hot in Australia at the minute, I believe, around about 33 degrees Celsius. In Ireland, you know, we, we, we don't get 33 degrees Celsius. I think that would be our record-breaking temperature if it ever happened. Uh, it's sitting at about... 10 at the moment, which to be honest with you, I'm not complaining about. I like it cool and mild over here, which is what it is. Uh, so yeah, as Joe Bastardi says, I think his name is on here. Enjoy the weather. It's the only weather that you've got. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about a guy called Frank Lucas. Probably no one has heard of him. Frank uh, was a bit of a, a gangster. Uh, and he dropped himself in it by showing his exuberance. So Frank Lucas was a black drug lord who ruled Harlem in New York back in the 1970s. And he was so discreet, uh, he kept a very, very low profile that the police didn't know who he was until 1971. And in 1971, he decided to attend a boxing match where Muhammad Ali was fighting wearing a $100,000 full-length chinchilla coat. Okay, he later wrote that this was a massive mistake. So the coat caught the attention of the police that were actually in the venue. And then they asked the question, why does this guy have better seats than Diana Ross and Frank Sinatra, given we have no idea who he is? So they started doing some investigations and lo and behold, uh, they uncovered him as Frank Lucas, the drug kingpin of Harlem in New York. And as Lucas put it himself, I left the fight that night a marked man. So there's a lot to be said for keeping a low profile, for keeping it, you know, keeping things a little bit conservative, not flashing your wealth, not flashing your success, 
because it can draw all the wrong sorts of attention. So Frank learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, no more chinchilla coats and out uh, seating Frank Sinatra and Diana Ross at Muhammad Ali's boxing matches. So keep it, keep a low profile, people. Don't flash the wealth around too much. If you have any, that is. Uh, don't be too over the top. I don't have that problem. As you can see, you know, I only have one shirt and uh, you don't even want to see what I'm wearing down below here this morning. So I won't be wearing no chinchilla coats on TNT radio and probably neither will Natalie or Gemma. But you never know. Maybe they're closet uh, drug kingpins. I don't know. But maybe I'll ask them that. Uh, would they be okay? TT and do that sort of thing in a public place when we come right back after this short break here on TNT. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So, do you guys have chinchilla coats, $100,000 coats? And if you went to a boxing match, if it was to be uh, Eubank Jr. against Ben Jr., would you have better seats than, for example, Prince Harry or Prince William or whoever other royalty would be attending that? Or do you guys like to keep a low profile? Give it to me straight. Um, I've seen that picture of the guy. I know what guy you're talking about, and it was one hell of a coat. And, um, I, you know, I wouldn't even wear that coat if it was fake and it was given to me. It, uh, it is, it's quite dreadful in fashion. Uh, but I'd struggle to afford a, a, a £100 coat or something from Topshop, so I can't see me getting the... Uh... I can't see me getting the good seats uh, in what about front of you, all of those famous people. He, he has a matching hat on as well. He has not just a full-length, you know, floor-length chinchilla coat, but he has a matching chinchilla fur hat on. And this is a bloke, by the way. So uh, what do you reckon? Chinchilla hat and coat ensemble for Christmas? Yes or no? Well, I am a big, big fan of the fur coat. Not real fur, definitely not. Yeah. No, absolutely horrendous, cruel industry. But I have got a very vast collection of fake mm. fur coats in my wardrobe. Mm. I've got a whole wardrobe and um, I'm renowned for it. And um, I used to love going to, do you remember jumble sales? You know, before we had yeah. charity shops, you had thrift sales, jumble sales here in the UK. And they were massively popular when I was a teenager. And I used to run to all these jumble sales and come back and I go, mom, mom, look what I've got. And she'd go, let me guess. Another coat that looks like a manky bit of old cat fur. And I'm like, yes, it's amazing. And she was like, yeah, okay, rolling of the eyebrows. But I am a big believer in in flashing some kind of like self-expression through the clothes. And I, I don't know who this yeah. guy is, but I'm going to go and check him out. I love the sound of him. My wardrobe, I, t I tone it down for TNT. I mean, I really do. But I mean, I have worn some outfits in my time and um, yeah, I'm a bit more on the flamboyant side. Not when it comes to wealth. I haven't got any. But uh, in terms of style, yeah, I would go for that outfit. I would wear that outfit and uh, I would do the fake hat, fake fur hat, fake fur coat. Yeah, all the way, all the way. I'm, I'm you on can it. Shock us, shock us and our viewers for uh, some time up the Christmas. Wear one of your particularly uh, flamboyant well, outfits, maybe with a huge uh, fur coat on there. You would get my respect we, anyway. What about you, Nat? Would you not give her a big TNT salute? Uh, well, maybe just one day for Christmas, we should try and do like one outrageous outfit day. Uh, me and my friends did once say we we're going to go into a charity shop and uh, we each had to choose each other a dreadful outfit and we had to go into town wearing it. We haven't actually got around to doing it yet, but the, the, the dare was there in place because there is some dreadful uh, like combos in the charity shops. Um, but you never know, Gemma, you might like them. Who knows? Uh, eccentricity. <laughs> 
I was just thinking that that sounds great to me. No, eccentric <laughs> is my middle name, and my my dress sense is I could I could if we had like we should put some photos out, shouldn't we? Maybe maybe not. I don't know if Mike Ryan would would approve. I'm supposed to be a serious news journalist, not some kind of wild <laughs> and wacky hedonist. But that is my other side that I don't bring to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you learn you learn something new every day. Well, listen. Unfortunately, this is as wild and wacky as I get. Uh, if it's not a black t-shirt, it's a black shirt, and if it's not a black shirt, I'm in my birthday suit, probably being lowered into the grave. So uh, this is as wild and wacky as I'm going to get. Very conservative in my dress, but talking about exuberance, talking about chinchilla coats and fur hats and all sorts of things, hundred thousand dollar coats, boxing matches, best best seats. This is against. Uh, the story that you have this morning here, Gem, in stark contrast, uh, talking about the UK's economy, uh, the reality of the UK's economy, not what we're being told by Rishi Sunak and co, uh, talking about uh, contracting by 0.3% in October. Uh, the Office of National Statistics has warned that we're actually teetering on the edge of another recession. Is this to be believed or what do you think? Well, I mean, this is what I brought to the table for discussion. You know, my job is to bring breaking news and breaking news this morning here in the UK. As you rightly say, in the last few hours, uh, Office for National Statistics data does indicate we could be teetering on the brink of recession right before Christmas. Deep joy. Um, basically, the data shows that we have the flat economy has flatlined for the last three months up to October. And that is a clear indication that homes and businesses are struggling with continued high interest rates. The data has come out ahead of tomorrow's bank of England meeting to decide on the interest rates, which currently stand at a historic 15-year high here in the UK of 5.25%. They're expected to hold that at that level, but it is having a knock-on effect. They're saying all three sectors, which they kind of monitor to see how growth is doing, engineering, film production, education, manufacturing, house building, all down. They've blamed house building slump on the weather and climate change. No, they haven't actually said climate change, but they have blamed it on the weather. Um, and they're saying, you know, that, that we're flatlining at growth. Uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer has tried to come out all guns blazing and playing it down and saying, look, high interest rates will bring down inflation, as will reductions in business tax. But this is official data. Um, you know, we're right on the precipice of our economy flatlining. We've got millions of people living in poverty and destitution. So I kind of had a kind of thought, well, how can we get out of this? And then I thought, oh, well, let's have a look at the old. Javier Millet, you know, this Argentinian guy, because he went on the campaign trail with his chainsaw saying, I will cut down spending, I will cut inflation, which in Argentina is 150%. So they're, you know, they weren't doing well. And of course, he won on that basis. And he was only sworn in on Sunday. And already he's taken some drastic action. He's closed nine government departments, which he says will cut 34% of public sector jobs and public sector spending. He's saying no more money to pay for public. Uh, projects because the money always just ends up in the hands of businessmen or politicians. So there's somebody on the other side of the world, ostensibly, who's doing quite a good job of sorting things out, sticking to his mandate, not fluffing it, not lying, and uh, libertarian on the side of the people. Whether that works, it seems to be kind of working. He's, he's put his money where his mouth is. He's, he's, he's looking at the public sector, which many people here in the UK thinks needs need looking at in terms of Whitehall and the civil service and some of the pay paid to NHS managers. Maybe our government should be looking at that kind of thing because old Javier with his chainsaw, he's only been in a few days and he's already made, you know, quite a good effect. Nat, do you oh, want to jump in there? I do. I, I really want to jump in and I'm sorry if my voice keeps cr crackling, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep going for it. Um, the thing with this uh, Javier Malay, I've already seen him having a nice little cuddle this morning on a photo with Zelensky. 
So I'm just not oh. convinced. Oh, I'm not. I'm not convinced yet. You see, it looks to me that it's all like a, like a nice big show that he's doing all these things. I think me and Rick will talk about it later on in the in our show. But yeah, I, I'm not sure it's going to have this amazing impact on on the economy. Uh, I mean, I've uh, last couple of days obviously not been very well, but looking through the paper, it's all about Rwanda, 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 Rwanda. This morning, I also saw a breaking news: COP28. It's if they wanted to do something for the economy, me and Rick have been covering these stories now for way over a year, haven't we? It goes up a bit. It goes down a bit. It goes up. If they really cared, they could start taking this green tax off immediately, Gemma. That, that, that's the first thing. If they wanted to really sort the economy out, there are lots of things that they could do to change employment, to change the green tax. They're not really bothered. A lot of the crises are engineered and at some point it's going to explode. I mean, there might be a, a bit of an improvement over Christmas while people get themselves massively in debt for a commercialised event that's completely and utterly pointless. Uh, but after that, then uh, people spending in January will be even worse. Uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced that anything's going to be getting any better anytime soon, Rick, even in Argentina. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry to be a bubble burster, but Javier Millet, he's not a good one. Uh, think Georgia Maloney, when she came on the scene, it, it's got, uh, how would you say, shades of Georgia Maloney. When she was uh, brought in as the Italian Prime Minister last September, October time, I think it was, everyone thought she was going to be the saviour of Italy. She was going to stand up to the globalists, the World Economic Forum. But again, the first thing she did was uh, show support for Ukraine, talked about abolishing all illegal immigration into Italy. And of course, now the, the problem's got infinitely worse than it has. She's also got ties in with the World Economic Forum. Uh, the sad thing about this is these larger-than-life characters that are being ushered onto the world stage, and she was larger-than-life, Malay is larger-than-life, all these people that are larger-than-life, that have these big personalities. I think, Jam, actually, you and I talked about Boris Johnson uh, earlier on in this week when you were covering for Nat how flamboyant he was when he burst onto the stage and drove a bulldozer and said, we're going to you know, get Brexit done. And then, of course, when he uh, got ensconced in his position, uh, everything changed and he became an absolute menace to society. So, sadly, I think... Uh, from what I can see anyway, Malay looks to be another one of those. He's, he's ticking some boxes and getting people excited about certain things and whipping out the chainsaw. But the reality is uh, he's, a, he's a nasty piece of work. However, if you do want to check this one out, he does look exactly like Benny Hill. If you can remember Benny Hill, the uh, English comic from back in the 80s, I think it was. There's a picture actually I think I sent you not about two weeks ago of Javier Malay and Benny Hill side by side. So and he, he, he looks like the, re honestly, yeah. he looks like the reincarnation uh, of Benny Hill. So yeah, uh, but on terms but of money, listen, yeah, 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 what are you going to say? Oh yeah, it was. It's a bit like a uh, Castro and um, Trudeau. Who sure. knows? Yeah. Something might come out in the future. He might be Benny Hill's love child. <laughs> that that, that yeah. could be. That could be the big surprise that nobody was knew was coming. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, there's some predictions we we believe would happen before the end of the year. What was it? Uh, Big Mike Obama would come out and become the next US president or Trudeau would shack up with Emmanuel Macron. That still hasn't that happened. That hasn't yet. happened yet. But, but no, we've got 11, we've got time. 12 days, 11 days left in December or whatever it is. No, 
not 11 days, 18 days left in December. So yeah. there's still time for these things to happen. But yes, economy-wise, I don't think anybody's getting uh, things better now than they were over the last few years. Gemma, that's a, that's a very valid point. And whatever the government says they're going to do to tackle this problem, you know, remains to be seen whether or not they'll actually put it into action. So big thanks to you uh, for that story here this morning. And also, of course, touching on the events in Argentina. Natalie and I will be back after this short break. So please don't go away. Stay tuned here to the one and only TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. The Lights is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air? On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Okay, uh, we are live. This is TNT Radio. This is Open Line. And actually, uh, we did have another story highlighted uh, to talk about this chap. Javier Malay. And to be honest with you, uh, you know, we're just highlighting who he is and what he's actually doing at this point in time because it is a big upheaval going on in Argentina at the moment. So there's another photograph of him here. And actually, uh, Natalie was saying he could have been the love child of uh, Benny uh, Benny Hill. Oh. Well, I don't know who the mother slash father was, but it could have been Robin Williams because there's another picture of him here looking very like Robin Williams with this Indian smirk on his face. So uh, Javier Malay eliminates half of Argentina's government uh, ministries on the first day as president. So, of course, he's coming in with a bang here. Within hours of being sworn into office, he made good in his vow to take a chainsaw to both government spending and what he called country's political caste, sending an executive order to cut the number of government ministries from 18 down to nine. So, yeah, who can uh, who can say that that's a bad thing? But when you dig a little bit deeper, they're suffering from 143% inflation. We think we have got it bad here at a real rate of inflation of about 20%. The country has a trade deficit of 43 billion, 45 billion debt to the International Monetary Fund. So he wants to stop the bleeding in his words, is it not a little bit late? You know, when you've lost an arm, it's a bit late to stop the, you know, the bleeding, as it were. You know, you've lost a limb. Yeah, and my, my concern, like you said, is when they bring in these big characters, it's a bit like a PR stunt, you know, that they have these spin doctors. It's like somebody saying... 
you know, like divide and conquer or distract. It's like if we can get the most ridiculous person out in front of politics, their character will be assassinated rather than their politics. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that is part of the idea. We we, we saw it with Trump. And, and, and how much do people still love Trump? Like that they're willing to forgive anything he's done wrong. It didn't matter that you push lockdowns or vaccines. You still get people that because of his character, they, they absolutely adore him. And, and, and that's the idea with this with this bloke here as well he says the fevery of politics is over long live freedom damn it you know i felt like a bit like william wallace but within yeah. an argentinian accent which I, i'm not even going to bother trying to do um but no i'm just not buying it I, I i'm not buying it i think i think uh somebody's already put on the online chat he's had a nice cuddle with biden i think he has and clinton I think he's very much in with everybody else. I think he was he was designed uh, to look like this big change, this big character. And I think slowly but surely we're going to see um, him align with all the other kind of Western policies very, very quickly. Uh, but the, at the at the moment, pe people are being taken taken by the whole idea of him. Um, he is falling some, uh, but we shall see. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe in six months he'll turn Argentina around and they'll be the richest country in the world. I doubt it, Rick. Yeah, yeah. I'm not holding my breath on that one too. But doesn't it show you maybe one of the reasons why most politicians are so insipid and so bland and so grey and so beta is that when anyone, and I mean anyone, comes along with a little bit of flamboyancy about them or a little bit of an extroverted personality or someone that's not slow to speak out loud and clear, that actually automatically lifts them head and shoulders above their so-called opposition. Uh, you know, and that's how desperate I think people are, you know, to be entertained. Uh, I think, you know, the world revolves around people being entertained right now, not even succeeding in life, but people are more concerned about being entertained now, like uh, whether it be on their social media platforms, in real life, when they watch the TV, when they go out for the weekend, they want to be entertained. And I think he's an entertainer. Uh, whether we like him or not, or you know, we agree with his politics or not, let's be honest. Uh, he's 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 just he stands out for no other reason than he's crazy. And uh, in a in a sea of blandness, maybe that's part of the strategy when you look at the British cabinet. I mean, who would you look at now? You know, with the exception of Boris Johnson, and say they were flamboyant or they were exuberant or they had a little bit of passion. Well, the only, the talked, only person you know, I can put, think of was like Jessie Phillips because she was slightly different. Mm -hmm. Like she 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 had like a. I think it was more of a northern accent uh, and, and didn't cut from she came from more of a working class background. But I have a prediction with politics. I feel like they have realized with Trump that, you know, you look back in history um, when I was growing up. I barely knew. I mean, I actually liked politics, so I did know a few politicians. My friends didn't know one person. I could have a discussion with them now and say, who were your politicians growing up? They struggled to name more than one or two. I think they've realised, I think politics can come up a celebrity game, a bit like Big Brother, a bit like an entertainment show. I think we're going to start seeing, you know, do you know what I mean? Like a WWF, mm -hmm. you know, all the, you know, like the boxer comes into the ring and the next contender is. I think this is what we're going to start seeing. It's like how exciting can we make politics. Match. <laughs> you know, in a, but think about it. If you can make politics like that, it almost distracts 
from the actual politics. It distracts from what's actually going on. It becomes a character game. And I think that's what they've realised. If they can do that with Trump and they can do that with Malay and they can keep doing that, the politics doesn't really matter. They're just getting, it's bread and circuses. They're, they're, they're exciting people. Conor McGregor, I, I really think he's going to end up being involved in some way. You know, let's think about the most ridiculous person that we can possibly think and you never know, they might be in politics by next year. I think this all started as well, but now I'm thinking about it with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, when he yeah. uh, went uh, left movies and he became the governor of California. You know, if I think the only thing that stopped him from becoming the American president was that he wasn't uh, born in America. I'm not sure what the rules and regulations were, but he had a fantastic political career. And even look at Ronnie Reagan, who was president of America at a time. Who have you thought of? No, who who could who it could be next year? Because he's already making posts about politics and shoplifting. Robbie Williams from Take That. Oh, he no. is a character, you know, isn't he? He he yeah, if he thought boy. he could regain if he thought he could regain his popularity, and they said, you know, you could become something. You become the mayor of London. Just say this and just say that. And do you think people would go for it? They would go for it, wouldn't they? That's how all the, some of the general all the public are. The take, the, the take old that, take that. All the take that fangirls will be voting for Robbie. That could be the really? end of City. That could be the end, end of City. Or, what about E seventeen? What about getting Bran yeah. Harvey back into politics yes. with his big with his big baseball guy? Absolutely, humongous white puffy jackets on. Oh, you know, why not? All, I'm, I'm getting silly now, but we could have Blur versus Oasis again. We could have Damon Albarn, right, versus Liam Gallagher all over again. Everybody in the whole country's back into <laughs> politics. This is their game. Oh, Liam Gallagher for prime minister would be priceless. You know, I'm actually, I, I think he's, he's, he, he comes across as an absolute, you know, on the surface, he's not very bright, but he's no slouch as Liam Gallagher. Liam Gallagher knows what time it is. And he's actually he very, does. very funny. When you actually listen to him having a, an interview, he's hilarious. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be averse to uh, old Liam being PM. Uh, what's the alternative? You know, here's Starmer, Angela Rayner, Michael Dove, Hells, Bells. Uh, but th that is the joke. They are going to be no better. So, you know, who knows? Let's going to see by, by this is our prediction for 2024. More celebrity politicians, I believe. That's yeah. what we're going to have yeah. coming. I, I think we could see it. I, would, I wouldn't uh, dismiss that one at all. Uh, leave us your thoughts in the live chat. Do you agree or disagree? And if so, who could you see? throwing your hat into the political arena from the celebrity side next year, because there's a lot of elections going to be happening next year and a lot of political activity in 2024 is being forecasted. So tell us what you lot think out there in the live chat. Uh, we will be back after these news headlines here in TNT, so please don't go away. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Here is the news. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. U.S. President Joe Biden has promised to transfer another $200 million worth of weapons to Ukraine. Australia, Canada and New Zealand have expressed their anger at Israel's relentless bombardment of Gaza, which has so far killed over 18,000 Palestinians. The U.S. House of Representatives has voted to approve legislation that would ban the imports of Russian uranium. And France claims to have successfully propelled a drone strike on one of its warships in the Red Sea. 
Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, it's Wednesday, the 13th of December, 2023. We're halfway through the show here. How time flies when you're having fun. Natalie, we've got other stories to dip into this morning. Uh, a bit of a moral question here. Some One we've touched on a little bit before here. This is an expansion yeah. of it about who is to blame for this, who is to blame for that. Yeah. So when a child commits a mass shooting, uh, are the parents yeah. to blame? And you've highlighted a story here. Uh, that was brought up uh, to do with uh, supplying a weapon. Parents supplied a weapon. The parents of a 15-year-old mass shooter, should they be criminally responsible for the deaths of four high school students? Well, wh where does the book stop with this? You know, is it not a combination yeah. of factors rather than just being one person to blame or one, one thing to blame? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting one to bring to the table because um, it's always a good debate anyway. Who is at fault? Because uh, if you do have one uh, severely damaged or dysfunctional child, is it just that child? So this is a guy, he uh, killed four students at Oxford High School in 2021 um, when 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly opened fire. Now, when he pulled the trigger, that it was Crumbly's parents who had gifted him the weapon only days before. Yeah. Now, this is the first time there is a case actually gone against his parents. So they are going to be uh, taken to court and uh, they are going to be trying to prove that they are also responsible for the killing of these children. Now, I think that will be very hard to prove. I think personally in court, unless you could prove that they had an indication uh, uh, that he was violent, uh, that they that they saw he had an obsession with guns, um, I think it would be difficult to prove. But I mean, it goes further than that for me uh other people are saying the school hadn't put the right precautions in knowing uh that you know about all of the gun laws in america you've got society as a whole you've got the gun laws at, at what point can you say someone is wholly responsible uh a child at 15 with uh really in a in a normal society shouldn't be going around and even thinking about taking a gun and shooting people so for me you know there's there's many many factors but this is the first time i've seen that the uh, parents are being taken to court and actually they are they are being held responsible or at least being trying to be held responsible for buying this 15 year old the gun well, we know that America is pushing for more restrictions on their gun laws, at least the Biden administration is too. And I suppose maybe one of the ways that they could do that, they could get the numbers down, is to frighten parents into thinking that they could be held responsible if one of their children yes. does something with a gun that they have actually bought. Because listen, uh, you know, there's there's in in you know the last few decades, there's been cases where uh, people have tried to blame, for example, suicides or mass shootings on music. So Ozzy Osbourne was famously sued for the song Suicide Solution. Uh, they said it contributed to teenagers committing suicide. Uh, Judas Manson Priest, as well. yeah, Marilyn Manson was another one. And listen certainly music is a massive influence in kids lives and they 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 tend to idolize when you're in your late teens you know or early teens late teens you do tend to idolize pop stars you know your favorite band you have them on your walls you try and dress like them or whatnot or you try and buy all their stuff up and go to their concerts some people might be super obsessed and literally take what these people say as the gospel but don't forget there's millions upon millions of people who just take everything with a pinch of salt so you know what about the other 
you know, however many hundreds of thousands of parents that have bought their kids guns that didn't go on to shoot people, why should these parents suffer as a result of that? Unless, as you rightly pointed out, they knew he had a history of violence or he had expressed to them yes. that he wanted to go on a killing campaign. If there's any proof of that and then they bought him a gun, well, then you would argue the case that maybe there's yes. some kind of a link there, but just simply bang your kid a gun to make. When I was growing up, I was fascinated with knives. Okay, I had this huge knife collection, hunting knife collection, everything. You know, I never went out. Oh, and why am I not surprised? With them. <laughs> I never went out and stabbed them. <laughs> As we know, them. yeah. Well, you know, yeah, well, we, we, you know, there's uh, never been any evidence uh, brought uh, that has convicted me. But what I'm saying yeah. is, I, I, I didn't, and even if I did. You couldn't have blamed my parents for that because I could have just you could just snap something. Plus, you can go into the kitchen and get a bread knife. You can get a carving knife. Go into hardware stuff. Get a paring knife. You know, if you really want to find a weapon to kill people, you'll do it. It doesn't necessarily. If your parents don't buy it for you, you'll find another way to get it. I think is the, what I'm trying to say. Also, so I think I, it's a bit rich, and I think the the point that they're doing here is to try and frighten parents into not buying more guns for kids because they could be liable for prosecution of something like yeah. this happens. It says here, uh, US law is generally designed only to hold individuals responsible for their own actions, legal experts said. So they think it's going to be very, very hard. I think it is a bit of fear-mongering. Uh, but I do think the question should be asked as well. I think we have a, uh, I know me and Rick have spoken the break before about society in general uh most people's mental health problems come from a dysfunctional childhood i think nowadays there are more dysfunctional childhoods than i've ever seen before uh that's from any level of abuse but even so with with the way the internet works with the way we're that children have access to uh, and some of the dreadful things that they can see. Um, it's just it's just going in a, in, a, in a vicious cycle. So even if uh, the this particular parent didn't buy this gun, I'm sure this this boy, if he really wanted to, would have got hold of another gun in some other way. But I do think society as a whole at the moment does have a massive problem um, with, with with dysfunction and uh, uh, how kids are being treated in general. And that goes to as much as the schools, how we're teaching them about identity, about LGBTQIA+. All of this is not helping children. That Children need security. They need love. They need the opposite. They don't need loads of questions. They need to feel solid and secure in themselves. And that is not happening. And uh, that is a massive societal problem, full stop. Yeah, it is, you know, society, you know, and what it's doing to kids is, uh, plays, I think, a greater role in any of these uh, incidences than anything, uh, you know, uh, an individual parent does or whatnot. It's just a combination of different things. And that's why even if the parents were shown to be culpable in some way, there's more to it than just giving your kid a gun and then he just randomly goes out and she's, you know, what drove him to actually want to commit homicide, multiple homicide at age 15 anyway, you know, obviously yes, the exactly. person has rage issues and homicidal feelings and thoughts, maybe schizophrenia. We don't know, but we can't just blame uh, the parents for this one so i think that was good to highlight that one there uh nhs if we can if we can hop across to them uh, the nhs i noticed this yesterday they are uh, ecstatic ecstatically happy at this point in time uh, because of their uh, vaccine campaign that they're rolling out among the vulnerable and those in care homes so uh, vulnerable londoners have been prioritized for winter protection in the NHS uh, milestone with darker nights drawing in, Christmas lights illuminating Oxford Street, they say, making it sound like, uh, you know, Dickens, uh, London here. Uh, people need to get their winter vaccines. And then they go on to say today the NHS announced that 100% 
of all of London's 1,300 care homes, have uh, home to nearly 27,000 people, have now been visited by a COVID and flu vaccination team. You know, when I heard that, all I got a picture of in my head was the Grim Reaper hovering across the ground with his big scythe, going from nursing home to nursing home and rubbing his evil skeletal paws together at the thought of 27,000 potential weak and vulnerable victims in those nursing homes. God help yeah. them, Natalie. They it's just, what do they do? They just sit there, they get wheeled in. They, what do they do? They nod and they're told, this is your flu jab for the winter. This is to protect you and keep you safe. Bang, in it goes. I mean, like, do any of them even know what's being done to them? It's, no. it's, it's I think it's a disgrace. I found this uh, article um, and it's on uh, the official NHS website. Very, very sinister. Mm. Uh, reading from it, um, I think you've said some of it, but the NHS in London started vaccinating care home residents across the capital in September. It essentially says their intention is to ensure that every single care home resident will be vaccinated and it reads like a sales pitch as well mm -hmm. with more locations than ever offering vaccinations across the capital there is still time for people to come forward for their vaccinations and ensure they're protected this winter do you know what i mean it's like a double glazing pitch these are human beings and a lot of them can't stand up for themselves so you know people are allergic to to ingredients and medications I would actually like to ask the way this article is written. They're going in literally promising that every single care home resident is going to be vaccinated. Are they checking and asking the right questions, Rick? So mm -hmm. when that person's sitting there, are they going through their medical record? Are they checking they don't have any allergies? I don't think they are. It, it, it's like you said, it's like it's, it's like a, like be sitting on a, a, a Tesco uh but, yeah. Uh, thing conveyor to, belt thing. To, yeah, yeah, conveyor belt to, to, to get you shopping. Next one, next one. Not even looking at the name. Like, like you become a number, like you do in, in some dystopian movie. Oh, here's that. We'll go around the care residence. Oh, we'll jab them. Oh, 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 they might have been jabbed twice. Never mind. Forget about that. Move on to the next. That's how it reads. What about personal choice? Did it just because you go in a care home, does that get your human rights removed? We're talking about human rights of those in a Rwanda or those in the barge, but it seems to me that they're giving less human rights to these people in these care homes. They have no say, as it looks, about their medical choices. None. You're going to have no. that jab in your arm, whether you like it or not. That's how this reads to me. Very sinister indeed. They also uh, they also go on to say, you talk about the sinister language here. They said, uh, Wellmar Patarata, home manager at Acton Care Centre, which was visited by, quote, a roving health team. So what does that mean? They just float around looking for the opportunity to drop in somewhere stab, and stick yeah. needles in people's arms. Uh, they, they go on to say uh, that they, they managed to just happen upon 102 vulnerable people and they were all jabbed up by this roving health team. Uh, just to finalize this one, the numbers are so far they claim more than 800,000 Eligible Londoners have been vaccinated so far against COVID since the start of this year's campaign, and 1.34 million have been jabbed up against the flu. So, you know, what's that? 2.1 million needles that have went into people's arms or mists that have been sprayed up people's nose just since, what, September time? That's a scary statistic, although the other way to look at it is the population of London's huge. It's, what, eight, 9 million people, roughly. So it's also saying that even if 800,000 get the job uh probably yeah you know seven or eight million we people didn't so thank god for that but still eight hundred thousand. it's a lot of people
just before we go to the break, um, I was going to say, interesting that so many more were willing to take the flu rather than the COVID jab. Mm. Be interesting to see why that is. Are some people refusing or, or at some care homes, it might be wor worth looking into that. Um, and the other thing is, if they're as safe, as effective as they're trying to claim both the COVID-19 and flu jab, shouldn't we see a massive reduction in death and illness moving forward in the care homes, Rick? Something tells me that's not going to happen. And, uh, mm -hmm. and again, that's an investigation that should take place as well. Yeah, and the flu, don't forget, is well established. People know what the flu is. People have probably suffered from it really badly at some point in their life, and they're, they're, they're afraid of getting that reaction again, whereas most people's experience of COVID was, hey, I don't even have any symptoms. I've tested positive, but I, I feel 100% fine, because remember, uh, a lot of, one of the symptoms of COVID was not having There's any no symptoms. symptoms at all. <laughs> dumbasses. Dumbasses actually believe this. You're sick. You're ill. But I, I feel perfectly fine. No, that means that's one of the symptoms. One of the symptoms is you're actually 100% healthy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I'll isolate myself for 14 days and have a scotch egg with my pint <laughs> just to protect me from the COVID. Unbelievable what they got away with and the dumbassness of the general population buying into this. It's, it beggars yeah. belief. Sorry for getting a little bit excited there, but uh, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, plenty more to discuss here before the top of the hour here on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Congratulations to new Argentine President Javier Malay, who was sworn in over the weekend. Malay's election last month rocked the South American nation and the world and returned Argentina's government to the people after decades of socialists robbing them blind. How blind? The hyperinflation in Argentina has been outrageous, impoverishing up to 40% of the population. Inflation for 2023 stands at 183%. As bad as Bidenomics is, at least it's not that bad. And President Malay set an example for once and future President Donald Trump by signing an executive order as his first official act in office that reduced the number of ministries from 21 to 9. 12 ministries, such as the Ministry of Women, Genders, and Diversity, are no more. Not only will that help the bottom line in Argentina, it will expand liberty and bring a better quality of life to the Argentine people. Here's hoping that that happens in the United States in 2025. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. 
The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, we have uh, another story here to uh, touch on before the top of the hour. I want to give uh, respect and shout out to uh, Enoch Burke. Uh, he's the teacher yeah. in the Republic of Ireland who has stood up for what he believes in. He's in court at the minute, or not in court, he's in Mountjoy Prison for the second stint. He's going to be in there until after Christmas, apparently because he will not uh, rescind his contempt of court by not agreeing to go back to his former place of employment. So the background of the story, if people don't know, and I think this has been on the burn now natalie for well over a year and i, I don't think this guy for a long long time this guy is not backing up. down he's not backing down and you know whether or not you think he's right or he's crazy or not i have massive respect for anyone the guy's in jail he's just done over 100 days in jail he's done over 100 days last year in jail because he refuses not to go back to his place of employment where he was employed as a teacher where the school pupils are in support of him they miss him he was a great teacher he refused to refer to a, a student by their preferred gender pronouns that's not what got him locked up in prison they told him well pending an investigation into this you can't come back and he said this is my job this is what i do i am not being kept back from my job and my my, my liberties because you do not agree with me uh, naming this person by their pronouns so it all got into a whole hullabaloo last year it ended him up in court this was happening last Christmas and they released him because it would have looked terrible for them uh, to keep him banged up over Christmas in a prison while they were letting sex abusers and people that have been convicted of child pornography charges with suspended sentences, not even putting them into prison, while Enoch Burke, who was a teacher, was banged up in Mountjoy Prison for a contempt of court, Natalie. But now we're in this position again this year. Uh, Enoch Burke will remain in prison for Christmas after refusing to give an undertaking to comply with a high court order. He was jailed for the second time on the 9th of September for breaching an injunction telling him to keep away from his old school. The matter was brought back before the court to see if Burke was willing to purge his contempt, and he said, no, I won't do it. I think they are desperate for him to purge this because it looks horrendous for the government. They've set another date of February where they'll give him back again and give him another chance uh, to do it. But the guy is not backing down at all. And surely they can't keep the guy locked up indefinitely uh, until, what, he's 65 years of age because he won't uh, purge a contempt of court. It's turning into a complete farcical circus uh, for the for the justice system you know, in Ireland. I've got, I've got massive, massive respect mm -hmm. for this man. Now, I'm presuming, I don't know that he doesn't have a family. Most people, I mean, if this was me in this position, you know, I've got two children mm -hmm. to look after. That You know, I can't put myself in prison with the, them not to look after. I'm presuming he's a mm -hmm. single man. Um, a massive respect to him. He said the reason he was in court was the principal of his, of his school had demanded that teachers accept transgenderism and show obedience to that in word and deed. He said he could not deny his Christian beliefs in male and female, and he has been punished for that. It also goes on to say they changed the judge in this court, in this case, Mr. Justice O'Moore, who's very, very close to the Taoiseach, and it, he has been rewarded for his deeds and his nomination to the Court of Appeal. So it looks like, as you said, they are taking this very, very seriously. Um, I think they're going to make an example of him. And that's why, despite the respect that I have for him, I feel uh, a great amount of sympathy for him because I believe things are only going to get worse for him. I really, oh. really think they are not going to let go. They are not going to back down the government or him. I think he's he could potentially end up in prison for a long, long time. I don't think either side can back down. Because if the government backed down, 
what they're saying is that any teacher can do the same as Enoch Burke. And um, if Enoch Burke backs down, then he then he's lost everything he's already worked towards. I think this is going to start. This is going to be a standoff that's going to continue for a long, long time. And, and um, you know, I'm concerned about him and his mental health. And I hope he uh, is strong mm. enough to to withstand that all. Can you imagine if all the teachers in Ireland who thought the same way as Enoch Burke? And let's face it, there must be very, they very be many standing of them. with him. They should all be standing in solidarity with this guy because uh, he's taking he's taking the shot. He's the one who's put his head he above is. the parapet. He's the one that's prepared to lose his liberty because of what he believes in. Okay, whether he's you agree with so it or not. Already. Do you know what? Now I'll be honest with you. There's so many people that I really disagree with in terms of their actions and their deeds. But sometimes the yep. things that they do, the lengths that they go to for the causes that they believe in, yep. gains my utmost. And I mean my yep. utmost respect. So can you imagine you have the choice to stay free in Reading today, yep. but you refuse to accept yep. what the judge has yep. ruled and you're prepared to do 200 days over Christmas into February just for what you believe in. I don't care what you believe in. That would gain yep. you my respect straight off the bat. And I, I think it's yep. a disgrace that more people don't come in solidarity with him. And even the teachers say, look, this we're going on strike until he's released from that bloody prison. All of us, we're going on strike. We'll grind the educational system to a halt in Ireland. Do you think he would still be in there in February? Absolutely not. He would be no. out before you could say, uh, you know, uh, re recant what you have said. I think that's the problem. No one is standing with him. It's a disgrace. But does it make you wonder if something's been said as well? Because, you know, if you're at that school and he was a popular teacher and he was uh, a staff member, um, I would think a lot of people would stand by him or at other schools. The fact that nobody has, you've got to wonder if there's been paperwork put around and something along the lines of if anybody takes the same stand, they will receive the same punishment. And, and that, that, to most people, would be enough to stop them standing with him. Yeah, and, 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 know, and I'd be like, I'd love, I'd be interested to hear anybody out there, anyone know any teachers? This is an island, not in Northern Ireland, isn't it? So, um, it's in if, the if Republic, got, yeah, yeah. So, if you've got anyone out there that's teaching in the Republic of Ireland, I'd be really, really interested to know if anything has gone round, whether by email or by letter, um, basically saying where there will be any punishment for any of those people or teachers or staff members supporting him, because something tells me the fact that nobody's there, the fact that no no teachers turn up, that there's no protests outside court, it doesn't sit right with me. I can't. There's no. There's no way you're telling me there's no other teacher in the whole of the Republic of Ireland that doesn't agree with him, yet he's having absolutely nobody stand behind him. So, yeah, if you know of anybody, please let us know. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, uh, one of the judges that you referred to there, Mr. Justice Brian O'Meara, also ruled against uh, Burke on a number of occasions, also imposing a 700 euro a day fine on him wow. for contempt of court. So while he was going back to the school before he was rearrested and jailed, he was racking up fines of 700 a day, which is three and a half thousand a week, Natalie, or what, 14,000 a month. So for a few months, I think he racked up tens of thousands of euro worth of fines as well for the so-called contempt of court. And of course, uh, as far Family, his family, as in his uh, mom and his dad, and his, I think he has a brother and a sister as well, they're at the court as well. They're very, very vocal, very, very active yes, in this case as but well. But it seems to be just those. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's just his immediate family, unfortunately. That's and it. of course, 
we're trying to give him a little bit of uh, you know airtime here, as it were, trying to recognise what he's doing. And I hope, uh, I hope and believe that in the next year, as this drags on over Christmas, something will give and he'll get a little bit of support, even for his own. Because I mean, it, it's lonely if you're banged up in prison and you feel like there's nobody standing with you. The extent it's like, well, where are the, where's the protests for me? I've spent two days in here. There's nothing. There's nothing, and that would be very demoralising as well. So if nothing else, then to keep him going, uh, it would be nice to see uh, other people falling in behind him and other people picking up the mantle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope that happens, even if it's not the teachers to begin with. If we can get, you know, you know, next time he's in court, if we can get low, like a big protest there uh, behind him. But I certainly do believe the teachers have been warned. I cannot believe there's not one other teacher in the Republic of Ireland that isn't supporting him or his views. And that he is just one person against pronouns and transgenderism in schools. So, uh, yeah, please let us know if you've got any more information. And the parents too. Don't forget, it doesn't just yeah. have to be teachers. Yeah, parents could say, we're taking our children out of school until they drop this lunatic yeah. ideology that's being pumped into their yeah. children. So parents have their roles to play even more so than the teachers as well, because of course it's their kids that are involved in this, not just the people that are actually teaching them. Uh, we'll try and get one more story in before the top of the hour here. Uh, yeah. Edinburgh, Edinburgh Academy, again yeah. talking about schools here. Edinburgh Academy, five men arrested and charged over alleged historical abuse at an independent school. Between 1968 and 1992, police said these alleged incidents took place. Five men were arrested between 69 and 90. A sixth man will be uh, reported to Procurator Fiscal, said the police. Uh, the historic uh, historic abuse in a school, and I know it's not the same thing, but these guys have actually abused children in schools, so therefore they're being arrested and tried for it. And then we have a guy who's committed no I crime, know. who's done 200 days in Mountjoy Prison. Think about that just for one minute. Just think about that. Yeah, it, it, the hypocrisy is off the scale. I wanted to uh, highlight this one. Uh, the inquiry, it says, heard evidence from nearly 50 witnesses, including um, famous broadcaster Nikki Campbell. Um, and it's uh, quite rare for somebody uh, to, to who's famous to come in and actually do that. So fair play on him for mm -hmm. uh, breaking his anonymity on that one, because um, that would have made a difference. But I just, I think something that I wanted to kind of point out, and I don't know if anyone in the online chat agrees. When I grew up, paedophilia was something that I didn't, I thought was so ridiculously rare. It didn't really happen. And I was just, I'm so disgusted the older I get. I mean, we hear about it, we did in the Catholic Church, but these historic events in schools now, they're coming up more and more. We have Barry Burnell in the football coaches. It's everywhere. And I mean, maybe I was naive. I'm I'm so thankful that I led a childhood where I saw no sexual child mm -hmm. abuse. I, I've not been a victim myself. Mm -hmm. I've not seen it, but it's so more widespread than I could ever have imagined. And I'm reading so many um uh true crime documentaries at the moment, and they all nearly go back to one thing. It all starts with child sexual abuse, whether it be in the school or the home. And yeah, it's really, really worrying. And I think it's been a bigger problem than many people thought. I mean, we heard about people like Savile, but I think mm -hmm. that it's been a widespread problem that's been covered up for a long time, and it's disgraceful. Uh, it, uh, the the breeding ground for this to happen as well, Natalie, for this uh, depravity to happen was always in an event or an institution, for example, where parents and children could have been separated and children were left under the care of senior figures, whether that be 
priests, nuns, ministers, uh, scout okay. leaders, uh, coaches, yep. teachers, you name it. So uh, a lot of it happened, these institutional abuse cases. And of course, then when the kids complained, there was no forensics back then. It could have happened, you know, three, six months after the event. It was like your word against the teachers. And sadly, in Ireland, uh, it was hush-hushed up a lot because you could never bring a, the parish priest was untouchable. So for your child to have accused the parish priest of molesting them, it's like, shh, don't say anything about that. And even if they were found to be guilty, if cases were brought, the, the bishops in those, those areas simply moved the priest from one diocese wow. to another. He just moved the abuser to a different town or a different village. That's how that abuse was perpetrated for, uh, you know, uh, generation after generation. And it's not just, I'm not, not knocking the Catholic Church alone here. It happened in the Protestant Church. It's this happened is, in every religious this is, denomination. This is just a normal Scottish independent school. It's exactly. Happened, so. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and, but uh, put kids... Separate kids from their parents, put them under the uh, the under the uh, bar of adults, senior adults in positions of authority, and unfortunately, these things uh, keep your to kids close. That's what close I say. Keep right. you close, know where they are, and who you're letting them uh, spend time with. Uh, Rick, I would say. And always err on the side of caution. If you have any doubts, yep. don't go against your gut feeling with anyone that uh, would be about your yep. children. Yeah. So, uh, quite an action-packed show here today, Nat. Great to have you back again, and hopefully yeah. uh, you'll be still okay for tomorrow. I'm Rick Munn. That was Natalie Chill. Be back after the break with Gemma and Rob Hutchinson on Locked and Loaded. Go away.